If I go, Baba Jesus, in my mind, I'm a winner. If I go, Thank <laughs> you. 
good tune you guys got. Good job. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's interesting. The good that we we see. I wanted to talk about uh, the gospel this morning and the joy, because I think I think we lose it sometimes, or we don't perceive it. And so I wanted to touch base on that. But we're gonna we're gonna read Acts chapter eight, just a little brief section about Philip and what he's doing. So let's open in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the the wisdom you give us, the insight you give us into truths that are beyond our comprehension otherwise. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. I thank you for for song, Lord, that you've given us song that lifts our hearts up and uh, lifts our minds up through that, Lord. Just, uh, grant us uh, your joy and your peace as we perceive who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in uh, Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 8, or excuse me, 4 through 8. Um, we uh, had left Saul ravaging the church and driving everybody out of Jerusalem. And so we follow here briefly one of the people that left Jerusalem. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. The city of Samaria, that's uh, the, the place that Jesus first declared himself the Christ. He doesn't do that in Jerusalem. It was kind of interesting. He met, he met a gal there at the well, and he said, I, whom speaks to you, am he, the Messiah. It was the first time that he reveals that he's the Messiah. It's kind of interesting. So here we are back at Samaria, and Philip goes down there. All the other people went only out to the Jews, but Philip went to the Samaritans, who were, they had some ideas about the Jews and the Jewish faith, but they weren't Jews. They were imported. During one of the conquests of the, the promised land, the, the kings would come in and they would take all the people out and they'd relocate them somewhere else. And then they'd take people from that area and relocate them back here. They were trying to break up the connection of the people to the land so that they wouldn't be as uh, likely to rebel. So the people that were living in Samaria were people that were transplanted from clear down... Uh, I think it was down by the Euphrates River. Um, so they adopted some of the Jewish traditions as well as uh, mixed them with their own. The stuff that they had believed before. And so the Jews looked at them as blasphemers because they took the Word of God and they mixed it with their own ideas and their own religion and then proclaimed themselves as being Jewish. So Jews would not talk to people in Samaria. So the fact that Philip went down there was a big deal. But also, they, they did have an idea of who God was and what he had promised. And so they were open 
to the truth that Philip brought. So that's a little background on where we're going with that. When we, when we look at their response, it kind of made me wonder. They responded with joy. And what caused that joy? And do we, do we respond to the word with joy? And if, if so, why would we do that? If not, why wouldn't we do that? Our joy is proportional to our comprehension of who and what God is and what He's done. So, when we respond with, I don't care, I would say that we don't really understand what God has done. And it can be simple in, in, a, in a society. I know I go through Banga and I see God's workshop and little things on the, on the taxis that say, uh, Jesus is joy. But I don't think that the, all these little things really mean that these people know God. They just find that that's a, a useful tool to get people to look at their business but they don't really know God. And I don't know that we have, that we have the same issue in, the, in, the, in America where people use God's name, but they use it for their own purposes. They claim to be Christian, but they aren't really living a life that, that shows that they're Christians. And, and really, the bottom line is they have no joy. They have no joy. And joy is most evident in trial. When you're going through hard times and you are at peace, that is different. That is in contrast to the rest of the world. So are we living this life in joy? And if so, why would we get that out of, out of Christianity more than anything else? So I wanted to look at that a little bit. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. See, this is the source of the joy. That's our first clue. They were preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Now, my first thought was they were all happy for all these people that got healed and saved from, from demons. And I suppose that that was part of it. But I think joy is something more than just yeehaw. And then we're done. It's more, it's something that is enduring. It, it perseveres through things. Joy is an underlying mindset that transforms the way we live. And so I see there's much joy in that city. What was the source of that joy? Was it just that someone, someone was healed? No. I think that there was something more to it. I think that they comprehended the truth that Philip had brought to them. <clears throat> so, 
If you're a Christian, you need to know what this is. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what that truth is, then you can't really declare yourself a Christian. So we have to be able to understand and comprehend that. If you're not a Christian, I want you to understand what that truth is and what that source of joy is. The more we comprehend the truth of the kingdom of God and what He intends for us, the more joy we'll have. So our joy is directly proportional. I used this the other day. You know, more understanding gives more joy. More understanding gives more peace. More understanding gives more love. More understanding gives more gentleness. Where am I going with that? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The more we understand who God is, the more we will live like Him and be able to walk in this world different than the rest of the world. But joy is something that they described here, and so I wanted to look at that. Our joy is proportional to our comprehension of what God has done. Matthew 13, 44 through 46, Jesus uses a parable to describe how we should respond to the gospel, to the good news, to the information that he is bringing to his life. Respond to him. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, he found a treasure. And in his joy of finding that treasure, he goes and sells all that he has so that he can buy that field. That's comprehending the value of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is something that we have to seek out. It's not just laying out in the open. We have to seek it out. But when we discover it, you will know when someone discovers the kingdom of heaven because their life will be transformed. They will be doing things differently and they will be living life with joy. They will be living life with peace regardless of the circumstances. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys a field. Then Jesus gave another one. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What's the similarity? They both sold all that they had. Guys, when you understand the value and what God has done for us in the kingdom of heaven, it will change your life. You will no longer be looking at things here. You will no longer value things in this world. You will willingly give them up for the kingdom of heaven. You will set that aside and say, I am going to live my life for the kingdom of heaven. That is what transforms a Christian. And if you're not seeing that, I can't say that you're not a Christian, but I can say that you are not comprehending what God has done. You want to comprehend that because you want to have life to the full. This is where life to the full comes from. 
comprehending what God has done for us. Our joy has to be proportional to our comprehension of what God has done. Our joy will be proportional to our comprehension of what God has done. So I want to go through the gospel and then I'll, I'll let you guys go. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is one place in the Bible. There's a couple, 1 Corinthians 10, 15, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, summarizes the gospel. Romans summarizes the gospel. But Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 gives me a pretty good encapsulation of the key elements of the gospel. This is what we need to understand to find joy, to be transformed. And we also need to be able to transmit this to anybody else so that they can understand it. So let me read this. I'm going to read it in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. So remember, in the garden, Adam and Eve chose that they were going to determine right from wrong. And God says, okay, you surely will die when you do that. Because I am going to remove my spirit from you. And so when they chose to be independent of God, God said, okay, and he took his spirit away and they died spiritually. And so we are dead spiritually because we are descendants of Adam and Eve. When we're, you're born, you're born separated from God because his spirit is not indwelling in you. So you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in your life that was being lived independent of God's character. And you have no hope because you cannot perceive right from wrong. God is the source of, of truth and right from wrong. And you can't perceive that. So without him, you can't do anything good. In, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We all once lived. Everyone has lived there at one point or another. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, without God, we are left to be directed solely by our desires, by how we feel. Our emotions are what's, what drives our life. I want that new car. I want a new motorcycle. I want to go to Bond. I, you know, I just want to, to do what I want to do. And, and if I just live my life doing that, my life is an empty cycle of just looking for the next thing that I want to do. And I'm never fulfilled. We all live there. We all come from that space. But God... And this is the transformative part, guys. But God, he created us for something more. And he doesn't just leave us here. Even though we choose to do that, our flesh chooses to, to reject him. But God, being rich in mercy. So mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. What we deserve is we chose to do our own thing. We chose to not be obedient to him. 
So mercy says, okay, you're not going to get the consequence that you deserve. God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive by how? How did God make us alive? Remember, how did, how did Adam and Eve die? His spirit was, they rejected his spirit. They rejected his direction in their life. So God sent Christ so that he could bring his spirit and deposit him in us. He restored his spirit in our lives. That's how God makes us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy, I'm sorry. Great, yeah, grace is getting something that we, let's see, how does it go? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve, and grace is getting something that we don't deserve. So, I deserve hell. God's mercy keeps me from going to hell, but His grace adds on top of that. Mercy says, you're not going to hell, but my grace is going to lift you up into heaven. So, we start off going to hell, and God says, no, I'm going to give you my grace. You're not going to hell. But beyond that, beyond that, God's grace lifts us up and says, I'm taking you into heaven. You know, we work here. I watch these uh, the, the ministry here. They work with widows and orphans. And so I've seen several instances where they have found orphans in desperate need. They have no mom. They have no dad. They're on the road to dying. I've, I've seen this, even in the short time I've been here, where they go and reach out, pick the kid up, and they feed them, right? So they're getting, they're getting mercy because they're, they have no hope without somebody. But then, beyond just getting them healthy, they find them a, a home. And so now, beyond just getting them healthy and making them alive and then releasing them on the streets, they get them a home. And that's, that's a small picture of what God has done. He's not only saved us from the death that we are going to get, but he has given us the grace of bringing us into his family so that all of eternity we get to walk with him. He continues on in this passage. Even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, with Christ. He raised us up. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And God has raised us up to that level. We get to live in heaven as part of God's family. He's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that in the coming ages? This is not just about here and now. Here and now we can live doing the right thing and we will find fullness of life here and now by doing the right thing. We will be satisfied we will see that this is right and we will feel good about it, right? But beyond that, this life is just temporary. Beyond this life, 
God has opened the door for all of eternity for us to walk with Him. This is unimaginable. Unimaginable. Guys, I can't even comprehend eternity. I, I appreciate the joy I get in walking in this life, but God has opened the door for all of eternity for me to live with Him. That is the source of the joy that, that these people in Samaria saw. That's way more transformative than just being healed from something temporary in this world. Do we comprehend the depth of the riches of God's mercy and grace that He has lifted us up, He's created us, and now He's lifted us up into eternity to be in His family? That is the source of joy. Guys, I have to seek that out every day to comprehend it because in this world, I, I lose sight of that all the time. God has great things in store for you. He's opened the door for eternity for you. That is the source of joy. And I, I still don't comprehend it, but I'm going to seek it out every day. The more I realize that I don't understand it, the more I realize I need to try harder to understand it so that I can walk boldly in this world with joy and peace, not worried about what happens in this world. I have to head out. Thank you for listening. and pray that uh, God would bless you with joy of understanding who He is. Let me close. Father God, thank you for these men. Bless them in their work today. Bless them in their walk. Lord, draw them to you. Open their hearts and their minds to you. Give them a hunger to know you, to pursue you, to continue to, to grow in their relationship with you. Uh, allow them to honor you with the work they do. And Lord, allow them to live out your character uh, before their fellow men and in their families, Lord, that they would make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank, you. Thank you, guys. Uh,